But I went from being troubled, disruptive, academically struggling, to now on the other side, um, even other teachers say, you are so smart, you're so gifted. And, and I, I have to tell them, hey, I barely made it past high school. Hi, this is Shlomo Sosin, the host of the Teenage Impact Podcast, where we share stories, tips, and specific strategies on how you as a teenage kid can overcome adversity so you can make an impact in our community. If you haven't done so already, click on the link in the description, the 52 tips I wish I knew in high school. These are life-changing tips that if you implement and spend at least 30 minutes to an hour reading, it's a 20-page free ebook if you spend just three minutes an hour reading it could completely change your life implement just one of these tips every single month and if you continue this for the next three or four years your life will completely change if you have a friend a classmate a family member who's in the in this funk share the teenage impact podcast with them because it's the best podcast out there for any teenage kid to listen to if they're going through some type of struggle or if they want to make an impact and their community. Today's podcast guest is David Edward Garcia. David is a unique youth motivational speaker. He travels the world inspiring kids, but he does it through comedy. He didn't always have his life together. He was born and raised in Texas, in the border of Texas and Mexico. He dealt with a lot of the same struggles people do living in the border of Texas and Mexico. He was labeled as this quote-unquote troubled kid. He got suspended a lot. He got expelled. He didn't pass a lot of his classes. And then by age 15, 16, his parents sent him to Houston, Texas, where he turned his life around. He got involved with youth ministry, became more religious, and eventually passed high school, went on to college. It took him nine years to finish college, but eventually got done. Now he has multiple degrees, bachelor's and master's degrees. He's lived, he, he lived in multiple countries around the world. He knows five different languages. And now he travels the world speaking to the youth. So give it up for David Edward Garcia as he talks about on how you can find your inner genius. We have David tuning in from Los Angeles. How are you, my brother? Hey, I'm doing well. Thank you very much for asking, man. How are you doing? I'm good. It's just been a busy morning, you know, um, writing my book, uh, getting some stuff done, preparing for this interview. You're a motiva- youth motivational speaker. You also incorporate comedy in it. I saw some of your videos. You're pretty funny and inspirational. How did you get started into youth motivational speaking? You know, I know there's the joke where people say, I didn't choose the thug life. The thug <laughs> life chose me. And it's a lot of the same with me. Um, I never looked to be a youth speaker. And um, I used to joke with people and tell them I never wanted this career. I um, was serving in my church, um, just like a lot of youth speakers, you know, helping volunteerism, activism. So I was serving uh, students in my church. I went from basically being a teenager in a youth group to helping teens in a youth group almost instantly. You know, I started uh, helping children and then uh, schools where I was at. I was in Laredo, Texas. That's where I was born. That's where I grew up. I think now in the last few years in the U.S., there's been a lot of attention on the board, a lot of attention given to the border. A lot of it has to do with people 
coming and migrating northbound. A lot of it has to do with the current presidential administration for whatever reason. There's a lot of attention there. But back then, there were no cameras. There was no news stories. And that's, that was my world. I, I got calls, or, or the church got calls uh, from schools in the area say, hey, we need someone to talk to, to kids about drugs, about violence, about gangs, about success. Now, I don't know very much the numbers anymore because I've since gone on to many other places and I don't just focus anymore there. But when I was serving uh, children on the border, the statistics were, were staggering. It was one of the most uh, impoverished areas in uh, in the U.S. And when I say the border, I mean specifically that South Texas. And what year is this? Mexico border. Gosh, we're looking back. 2005, somewhere 2005. around there. Okay, not so long ago. ago. Yeah. It's been a while, yeah. There was also a lot of violence uh, because there was things happening in North Mexico. And so children just needed direction, right? And so I, um, along with the team, we went to schools and we would help children. We, we would, you know, each speak three to five minutes. We would do little sketch pieces. We would put on a one-hour performance, a mini-production. And we, would, we helped tens of thousands of children um, all over South Texas. And then a few years later, I connected with top youth speakers of North America. And so um, they signed me to a contract to basically represent me and send me all over. And so initially, I started speaking all over North America. And then the world. I've been to every continent now. I've been to the Middle wow. East. I've been to Asia. And speaking, um, speaking all over the world, correct? Right, yeah. Wow. And so I took, so when I started traveling at first, I thought, let me just uh, try to adapt a performance that can fit the whole world. But as I started traveling all over the world, I share my same border stories everywhere in Bahrain, in Malaysia in Canada, on the East Coast, on the West Coast, to audiences that are not always Hispanic. In fact, a lot of the audience that I reach aren't Hispanic anymore, not like when I began. But one thing I'm realizing is that the same story connects because it's, it's my story. And so um, that's how I began. And I just share the message of you know being a child on the border that had the same struggles that many people have. and you know, what uh, was able to transpire from that. And so I think struggle is something that's typical to all humanity, right? And, and so some people say things like, well, you don't understand what I'm going through. I am, and then you fill in the blanks. I'm a girl. I'm a boy. I'm gender fluid. I'm black. I'm black. I'm white. I'm middle. Fill in the blank. Everybody has something. But but the thing is, is that... Um, I think struggle is not, you can't pin struggle onto one race or one people group, right? And in the same fashion, so, so struggle is universal. And, and so that part connects with everybody. But in the same way, success is for everybody. So there's no one people group. There's no one gender. There's no one language. There's no one ethnicity that can say, oh, success is mine. Because success and, and, and beauty happiness is for all people and I think as a speaker as you know that's the beauty of our message is that we're sharing humanity with humanity and we're not teaching in the sense of like we are the ones who are the secret masters of knowledge 
But through sharing our story, we give voice to other people and we let them know, hey, hey, your story matters. And it's not that I am this, and I am so anti-guru. Uh, I am so anti, <laughs> uh, I'm so anti that there's one person that has all the secret knowledge that nobody else has. And so I think as a speaker, we're saying, hey, hey, this is my journey and this is what worked for me. And, and, and I think this can help you. But I also know that you have something that if, if I was sitting in the audience, I'd be learning from you. And that's the beautiful thing of our calling. One of the greatest examples of being human is being a speaker. Absolutely. And, you know, just to kind of um, build off of that, one person does not have all the answers, which is why I'm writing Never Fight Alone is a compilation of 51 people who has 51 different stories, who have 51 different tips in life. And uh, you're totally correct. And you also mentioned in a lot of your speeches that you were this troubled child. You were considered, quote unquote, at-risk students. Tell us a little bit about those days. Yeah, so I've actually been thinking about that. And I do censor my speech Uh to a point because I've, and I've thought about it. I, it's a little bit of a struggle for me. I censor my speech because I don't want to throw other people in my life and in my past under the bus. I censor it. So I maybe one day, and I struggle with it. And the reason is, is because if I'm struggling with certain if I struggled with certain people in my life, if I share that and other people are having some of the struggles and that will give them power. Right. And I, th- I think silence is the great power killer. Conversation and speaking is the great power generator. And so I struggle with it because I, I don't know how much I'm going to share. Having said that, um, I'll just say that I had struggles in my home and struggles with, uh, with my family. Thankfully, I will say I, I was never sexually assaulted. I was never, I was never physically abused in that way. So, so I will say that just because that's important. And it's, it's important because some people that have so some people can discount and say well you haven't gone through what i've gone through and that's okay right if a person feels that the depth of my pain doesn't relate with the depth of their pain and i'm discounted from helping them then that's their prerogative but but i will say that there was challenges and i won't go into detail on that um it was a little nuts and and i guess now as i'm an adult looking back i say that was kind of crazy that was not normal looking back um, let me also, before I also go into that, let me also say that I've thought a lot about, for most of us, no matter what we're facing, there's probably 1 billion or 2 billion people that are going through something worse. And so I just want to balance what I'm about to share by saying it was real. It did make life hard. It wasn't normal. And I also recognize other people do have other challenges. So I just want to balance it. I don't think the fact that other people have other stories discounts mine, but it's just the perspective that I keep. As I was growing up as a child, I was a little bit troubled. And when I was a kid, I, I didn't know why. Now that I'm an adult, I can look back and say why. And a lot of it was just home challenges. And as I mentioned, I won't go into it yet. One day I will, my story, but not yet. A lot of that behavior manifested in uh, disruptive behavior you know, doing things that were beyond normal for children. I was in trouble quite a bit, especially as I got into my adolescent years, when I got into that 12, 13, uh, 14 years old, some of my behavior started becoming aggression. I, I didn't know, I didn't have tools as a, as a 
as an adolescent, how to navigate the anger, the frustration, the abnormalities that I was feeling. So it, it was disruptive behavior. It was aggression. It was aggression towards teachers. It was aggression towards other students. And so when I was in eighth grade, I, I got put in a, in a special class for all the students who couldn't handle real classes. It was called in-school suspension because the teacher said, we, we can't do this anymore. And I think the only reason they didn't permanently expel my eighth grade years because they didn't want to see me again. I, I just was just really out of control, a little chaotic. And so in Texas, uh, to this day, they still have the ability to paddle kids, corporal punishment. So I got paddled and um, I maxed out the paddling. I maxed out the suspension. They put me in in-school suspension. I, I got kicked off my school bus because I was out of control on the school bus. And, and looking back, I put 50 other children in danger because I was running around the bus, throwing papers, throwing papers at other cars that were walking by. It was just a mess. And I, I don't know, looking back, I, I, I often tell myself, now that I'm working with children, what would adult David tell uh, 13-year-old David, tell 15-year-old David? And, and I really don't know really that answer. That's something deeper. You know, as time uh, went on, uh, so as time went on, the challenges grew in high school. And where I was living on the border, we had a very two-nation life, right? And so when I got into high school, things changed. It was no longer uh, causing trouble in school. People that I was in school with, they started causing problems in Mexico, and they got involved in some of the darker and violent world. And so people that, I'm, uh, that I was in school with, that I played baseball and football and sports with, they're no longer alive today because they chose another path. And so when I got to high school, the stakes of being in trouble amplified. It was no longer going to the principal's office, getting detention. People my age were really facing life and death kind of scenarios. Now, when I was 16, I also, so my parents, they gave over legal guardianship. And so at 16 years old, I moved to Houston, Texas. And that became a big turning point in my life because when I moved, I, I was told, you have to get a job. You can't not work. I had to start getting involved in church and youth group. And that provided structure and positive peer pressure in my life. And I always was in sports. Thankfully, and sports have always been an outlet for me. So when I was 16, I started to see a, a different life, a life of like, hey, if you work, then you can, you can get money. And, and if you get money, then you can buy stuff and you can start having possibilities. If, if you start making right choices, you, you can also have fun making right choices that, that don't harm people. Oh, and if you do hurt people, then you know the positive peers that you have, they're not gonna wanna be around you. And I started at 16, 17, just to see a different kind of life. I, I, really, have, I really don't know how much of that is just you know, your brain, because when, as you're growing up, you really don't see all those things. I don't know how much of that was, was just my brain being underdeveloped, how much of that was conditioned, how much of that was pain. I, I don't know. I haven't worked through all that out. But I do know that at 17, I started seeing how my life could change. Now, I wasn't a good student. I, I, I was never the smartest student. I, I was in classes with smart, smart kids. And, and I was never uh, as talented academically as them. But neither was I, was I a very, I, I, wasn't, um, I wasn't not smart. I just wasn't as great as them. In the old system, now, now things are great. Now we're, we have books that are like, you know, fail forward, fail to succeed. 
when I was growing up, it was very black and white. If, if you didn't do well in school, you were kind of doomed. I, along with my challenges, I also failed classes in school. It's not something that I'm proud of. It's just the way it was. I, I failed, you know, some of the harder classes, but then I failed the easy classes. I failed typing, right? I, I failed Spanish. I failed Spanish for non-Spanish speakers. And I grew up right next to Mexico. Uh, I grew up hearing Spanish all the time, but, but I failed that. As I was trying to make these positive choices and going into the adult world, I always felt kind of inferior and dumb. But, but I, I was able to, you know, graduate. I had tutoring. Uh, I was able to do my best. I, I kind of got pushed past high school. And now, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to the other story. Uh, but now on the other end of it, and I don't know if we have time to get into it in this book, but now I have three college diplomas and I'm working on a fourth and fifth master's simultaneously. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very much. I speak five. It's a big one. Yeah. Especially when you couldn't even make it past eighth grade. I have, uh, I can teach six content areas. So along with being a speaker, I'm also a school teacher. Uh, and I can teach uh, six content areas in Texas and California. I speak five languages and, and I feel like I'm barely getting started. And, and so um, that's a whole different part. That, that's way too much, I think, to get into for this. But, but I went from being troubled, disruptive, academically struggling to now on the other side, um, even other teachers say, you are so smart. You're so gifted. And, and I, I have to tell them, hey, I barely made it past high school. And that's a little bit of how that happened, man. Well, it's that turning point. In, in my case, uh, as I mentioned, the big turning point really was, was church uh, with my background and my faith, which I know was very unique to me. It's a very personal thing. It was, you know, going to church. And so I'll say that I know that not everybody is uh, religious, especially the way I am. And not all the people I speak to are religious the way I am. That's a beautiful thing about, about having your faith is that it, it belongs to you and you can share with other people and you can also learn from other people who believe different. I, I do think that for a lot of successful people, when, when, when they realize that, hey, my life can have purpose, my life can have meaning, I can change my situation and I can also help other people. And I think when people, uh, successful people that I know that have that level of spirituality right or, or belief system uh we want to believe positive we want to believe in good for all when somebody believes that then they manifest that and they're able to help other people i did have my journey my faith journey my church journey which i know is 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 mine but but i i have seen that commonality that common thread among other speakers that it might not be the exact path that i had but it's something of it's something where they can see that their life is meaningful and destined to help others and, and contribute to this world. Let's go back a little bit. You know how in the beginning of the episode, you were talking about how you do go around and giving speeches all around the world about some of the struggles of being on the border. Can you just give a, a, a couple of those struggles that people face on a daily or weekly basis? It's, Again, I think things have changed so much. Uh Um, But when I was growing up, so so on the border where I grew up, it it was 90 plus percent Hispanic and 90 plus percent bilingual. And in that world, there's people who are more given to American culture and English speaking like me. And then there's the other uh, bilingual, bicultural people who are more given to the Mexican and Spanish culture, which was most of my friends. I I say that to say for, for, for both sides, of the bilingual 
totem or group of people, there just wasn't a lot of money. Uh, there wasn't a lot of opportunities to, to have jobs outside of being a professor or a teacher or a doctor, something like that. There weren't a lot of jobs. The education level uh, was very staggering, very low. Um, I think when I was growing up, it was something like less than 10% of the people had a bachelor um, degree. And I think less than 1% of Hispanics uh, and Latinos had, had that diploma. I think, and I don't know anymore, but I know when I was growing up, the statistics were that uh, there were more Blacks and Latinos in prisons than in college dorm rooms. That was just another thing that we saw. So, so there was not a lot of education. There was not a lot of opportunities. And then there was just a big violence world uh, happening four miles from my house on the other side of Mexico. A lot of people got swept away into that world. And, and now when I teach, I, I teach students um, in the classroom, we talk about the conundrum. There aren't a lot of opportunities for education, right, if there's not a lot of money. And so if, if students are, if people are just trying to survive and make it to the next day, they're not going to invest money uh, in their education. But then if they don't invest money in their education, then they're going to stay stuck and they're not going to make a lot of have resources to build. And so there's that conundrum. And, and I think that conundrum is something that's seen there uh, in a lot of people. On the one hand, how could I say, that's what the statistics say, right? That's what the numbers say. On the other hand, you and I, neither you nor I are numbers. We're not percentages. We're individuals. And, and I believe as an individual that we have the power of choice. I know that some people might say, well, you can't tell people, you know, that they that they have a choice when they obviously don't have a choice when the circumstances are stacked against them. I'm not going to enter that argument, but I will say on my end, I didn't have money. I didn't have rich parents to pay for my school. I had to go to school full time. I had to work full time. I had to go on food stamps. And, and my friends in Texas would laugh at me like, oh, David, we don't believe in food stamps. Well, me neither, but I don't believe in being hungry. And so I had to go to food banks to, to get food. I had wow. To work and wait tables and um, I wasn't able to finish my college in four years right it took me nine years to get my first degree and so yes the, the numbers were stacked against me the percentages were stacked against me I had a car I used to laugh I had a car called the fake I called it the fake mobile and I used to tell my friends man if you don't believe if you don't have faith this thing's not going to be mobile a friend, Christian friend a pastor friend he told me this car is like Lazarus because it has to be raised from the dead. And that's a Bible story, a Bible reference of this man, Lazarus, that was raised from the dead in the, in the story. And I said, no, man, Lazarus was just raised once. This car, we have to raise it every red light, man, and believe that it can keep on going. And, and that's how I made it. And so, yes, um, when people say, well, you know, you can't tell people that they can choose. Well, when I was growing up, that's all I had. I, I didn't have money. I didn't have scholarships. I had choice. And it took me a little long. And so that's the message I try to share with kids, right? Like, are you going to look for excuses? Or are you going to look for solutions, right? You can be powerful. This is strong. In my life, I had to tell myself, David, you can be powerful or you can be pitiful. But you can't be both, right? Yes, you can have excuses and blame other people. Or you can have power and you can be the agent of the change you want to see. Absolutely. But you can't have both. And you have to pick. And so that's kind of uh, some of the struggles that people go through, some of the ones that I go through. Um, but I think the power of choice supersedes many challenges. 
Yeah, that's kind of a similar story. I interviewed someone recently, G. Bryant. He was born and raised in Philadelphia, and he would see a lot of his friends and a lot of violences go to jail, get killed. And he made a decision to pack up his bags. He didn't know what he was going to do, but he just drove down to Atlanta and decided that he was going to do something. It took him you know, a long time to decide what he was going to do, but now he has multiple six, seven-figure businesses successful entrepreneur but he got he made a decision to get out of that lifestyle if he was going to stick around he possibly would have been in jail or dead um so he decided hey i want to do something with my life and he actually uh drove to atlanta with one of his friends and decided to be an entrepreneur that's fantastic man yeah you always talk about uh finding your own genius but what does that mean to you so there's a scripture in the bible it's a beautiful scripture And it says, we are God's masterpiece created to do good works. And in the original language, uh, that that scripture was written in Greek and it's it's poema, right? And so we're all God's uh, unique design. And so so to me, that meant so much that, that every single person has something and is unique and can, can do something that nobody else has. So I kind of always believed that. As time has gone on, you know, I found science and research that backs up that, yes, every single person has a unique genetic makeup, unique personality. So, so I'm finding, you know, I always kind of believe this, but now there's, you know, so much science that, that, that has confirmed or, or, or affirmed it. So to me, I, I, I think every single person has something unique that only you can do, that only you can offer. And I think when we as humans find that and we're able to give that to humanity, that's when the magic happens. In my case, it's very simple, man. I I am the best in the world at what I do, period. And that's not arrogant. When I think about it, I'm the only Hispanic male from South Texas who um, has the college degrees that I have, who has the languages that I do, uh, who knows the languages that I do, who um, has been to the places that I've been to, who makes this professional stand-up, comedy, professional speaking, positive psychology, and faith, and I'm able to package it and do it the way that I do. It's not hard to be the best in the world when you're the only one. But the, the thing is, is that every single one of us has our best in the world. And I think so much of bullying and, 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 and negativity in society is aimed at stealing and robbing your best in the world. And sometimes even me, I, I, kinda, I, I like to think that I'm humble. And for me, it's, it, it's easy to hide my genius and cloak it under being humble because humility and lack of confidence on the surface look the same. And so I think every single person has something powerful and unique that only they can offer. Instead of hiding it, I want to challenge kids, don't hide it. We need you. We need the next song. We need the next great app. We need the next great person that's going to stop a bully. We need more teachers. We need every single one of us to be the best in the world. And here's the wonderful thing about being the best and finding your genius. Is that when somebody else shines, they don't take away my light. Right. And and there's so much abundance in this world that when somebody else succeeds, they don't take away my success. Success builds success and we build on each other. And when we recognize that, that we need every person to give their best contribution, 
then that's when life can be magical. I failed classes. I thought I was dumb, right? But then after I was in Switzerland uh, for eight weeks, I was speaking French. Like, not wow. perfect, but I was having French conversations. And so, so that was like a talent that, that I had. When I found out that I had something smart and I, 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 I no longer say, oh, I'm dumb, I'm, you know, this, I'm that. Now I realize I might not just be good at that, but that's okay. And when you find your genius, you're confident because you realize you don't have to be good at everything. You just have to be good at something. You don't have to be everything for everybody. You're not everything for everybody, but you are called to serve somebody. Finding our genius, I mean, there's, there's you know, personality tests, Myers-Briggs, things like that. I think one thing that speakers don't talk about, and I talk a lot about it in my speech, and it's going to be my next book, is part of finding your genius is through pain, right? What, what is in your past that you had to overcome? It's easy to discount the pain of our past and say, oh, well, I just made it. I just went through that. But when you realize that on the other side, right? And so a lot of the speakers that you're talking to, here's the, the sequence. A, pain. B, overcoming. C, uh, a champion in their life and helping others champion in their life. When you get to that point where you champion the cause of your life and others, you realize, wow, if I hadn't gone through that struggle, I wouldn't be as strong as I am now. And so part of finding your genius is what have you gone through? It's, it's um, easy to just try to discount the past and say, I had a lot of hardships and now I'm here. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. How did you get through that? What, can, what, what talent and strength do you have now that you had to go through? So me, I struggled in school. But now, so one of the things that I learned in school is, okay, I don't have to be the great student at everything. I just need to learn how to pass the test. I just need to learn to know what do I need to learn? How can I make it simple for me to pass? And that struggle of failing helped me simplify teaching so much that now I teach six content areas and my students are always succeeding and learning so much more than other classes because that struggle taught me, hey, how can I simplify this and make it simple for others? So that's just one way of finding a genius. Now, did you, was it like a moment of, hey, just one day everything clicked? Or did you, was it like a process? You know, for me, I know I did something very similar um, to what you did. Uh, I read a book at 22 years old called The Success Principles. You know, it was one of the lowest points of my life. And in the book, he mentions, okay, a lot of things that you just mentioned, you know, your strengths, your weaknesses, what's your passions and how you tie everything together. And I just wrote everything down and I realized, hey, I like speaking. Um, even though I was horrible at it at that time, but I always liked inspiring people. I, I always liked helping people succeed. Um, so I decided I wanted to be a speaker. Now, now what, was, what can be the process for other people trying to find a unique gift? I think it's both. I think, yes, there is a moment of time. And yes, it's an evolution. And for me, I go back to being a teenager um, right before I graduated high school, knowing that my life had a purpose. But as I've grown, you know, the process is, is you start to develop other things. So speaking uh, and being a speaker just developed and evolved with schools. And then new speakers, uh, top new speakers called me, right? And then languages. Uh, I was in Europe and I was like, wait, if I can learn this one, then I can learn Portuguese and Italian. So, so I think it's both. I think there's a moment where you realize that you have something, but I think life also helps you evolve. And I don't know when, I can't tell you the day when, but I knew that very early on, maybe by 2021, I knew 
that there was nothing that I couldn't do as long as it was in the realm of my calling and my skill set. There was nothing that I couldn't do. Now, I can't be a ballerina. I can't be an NBA player. I can't be a NASA astronaut, but that's not my calling. But inside of the realm of my calling, there is absolutely nothing that I cannot do. And if I can't do it today, then all that means is I have to work towards it so I can get there and I'll get there eventually. So to answer the question, I, th I think, you know, and, and there's so much things, find your purpose, find this, you know what, just, just help people, right? And, and, and just do your thing and help people. And you might have a moment or it might be an evolution or it might be several evolutions where, where you're, you hone in on, all right, I want to help people. And that changes to, oh, I want to help women. And that changes to, oh, I want to help underprivileged women. And then that evolves into, oh, I want to help underprivileged women in Haiti. And it just keeps on building. And, and, and so but that's just part of the process. But I think so many times we want to get to step B and we're stuck because we're like, I don't know my process. I don't know. Well, just, just go through step A. Help somebody. Do something. Do what you can with what you have. And, and so, so and when you come to that point, that, that's kind of that initial first moment. Yes, I can. Yes, I will. I, I deserve more than where I'm at. I don't deserve to be unloved. I will not be stuck for the rest of my life. That's kind of the awakening moment. And as you take that path, then I, I, in my case, in the case of many people I know, um, with time, things evolve and it gets more precise. Just take action. Yeah. Just take action. You know, if something doesn't work out, it's good. As You know, a lot of times we get caught up in thinking too much on things, whether they will work out or not. But why don't you just go ahead and try to see if they will work out? If right. it doesn't work out, then try something else and something else until you find that one thing that you're truly passionate about that lights you up and that doesn't even seem like work to you. Right. So, so with the first speech I did solo, so I told you how we started speaking, we had a team, Yeah. but you know, after a few years, after like four years, the team kind of, you know, you're in twenties. That's a very transient time. People go to college, people get married, people move, et cetera. There was no team. I was doing a master's degree. I was, I was not even living in Texas. And then I got a phone call. And they said, David, since you guys stopped, nobody's reaching these kids. And I told myself, I said, I, I can't go speak to kids in a gym without my team. Kids are brutal. If, if you're not good, they'll tell you. And, and they said, David, we need you. Nobody else is going. I said, I can't do it. They said, David, you are talented enough alone to help these children. I said, I will not go without a team. And they said, David, we'll pay you. And that's all they said. <laughs> oh, you oh. got my attention. Oh, so here's, here's the thing. Uh, where I was at at that point in my life, I wanted to finish my degree in Europe, I, but I didn't have the money to pay for the semester abroad. So they're like, we'll set up this school tour. And I just told myself, let me set up this ridiculous price that will be enough to let me get out there to Europe. And they said, yep, that's kind of the same budget that we have. Go speak to these children. And I thought about it. I thought, if I go and if it stinks, it's no good, and the children like it, uh, and it's no good, and the children don't like it, who cares? I'm leaving in a week anyway. I'm going to Europe and I'm going to get a master's degree. And no child will ever come up to me 20 years later and say, hey, we saw you in school. You suck. And, and so, so the worst case scenario, it was going to be a rough few days. And then I finished my degree. But, but something happened. That, well, when I went out to give that speech, it wasn't that bad. I realized I could have gotten better. And that's when I kept on going on along. Here's the thing. I mean, if you, I, I always challenge people, if you're going to do something that you're scared, 
just treat it like if the next day you're going to get to Europe. And who cares? Just do you. And, and who knows? Roll the dice. See what happens. That's a good lesson. And do you have any last tips for teens who are struggling, can't seem to find a way out, feels like no one can understand them and they feel like they're alone? Do you have any last tips for them? Yes. A lot of life is being understood by nobody. A lot of life is being alone. A lot of life is hard, but you can succeed anyway. And if nobody believes in you, but you believe in you, that's all you need. If nobody understands you, but you understand you, that's all you need. You are a force that cannot be stopped and you have the ability to choose how far you're going to go, when you're going to go, why you're going to go, and with whom you're going to go. And just because somebody tells you no in the beginning doesn't mean it's no forever. Just because something is difficult doesn't mean that it's impossible. Uh, We are living in extraordinary times. I have never heard so many kindness messages, love messages, anti-bullying messages in my life. And at the same time, I have never seen so much bullying, so much hatred. We see it at the same time. Right now, it's an election year. You are seeing politicians on both sides of the spectrum say things like, I just want to bring everybody together. And then they'll turn around and give a speech tearing everyone else apart that doesn't believe like them. And we are living in a time right now where there's this juxtaposition where we're preaching just love, just, you know, help. And at the same time, some of those same people are doing the opposite with their actions. And here, I guess, is um, what I want to share with children. You know what? You, you, You can't control right? What other people say or do, but you can control you. If somebody's bullying you, right? If somebody's being hateful and you have the ability, get away. Tell somebody, get away. Find a way, find whatever it takes to get any negativity away, to get people who don't, uh, who just try to tear you down, get all of that away and get within yourself, center yourself, where you set up a system. It might just be you in the beginning. Set up a system and an energy where you say, this is who I am. I'm great. I'm strong. I'm going forth. Whatever it takes. Well, what if I can't do it, you know, in the situation that I live, which is a story of a lot of speakers. Well, you know, start looking for a way. How can I create, even in this place, how can I create a system that works for me? How can I talk to somebody? There's always somebody who can help you. There's always somebody you can speak to. And keep on looking and keep on going until you find those people, right? There are a lot of hateful and negative things, but there's somebody that's good. There's somebody that can help you. And find that system, even if it's just you in the beginning, and then it's somebody else. Find that place where you can thrive. And as you start to to shine and as you start to succeed, you're going to see that success builds success and light builds light. So go for it. There's no limits. Absolutely. Love your message. Love what you're doing. And thank you for never giving up and always believing in yourself because you're not only making uh, such an impact in this world, but you're also making people laugh. I've seen uh, several of your speeches and they're pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. I'm typically not funny in person. I'm very serious, (laughs) very focused. When I have a mic, it changes a little bit. Yeah. And where can people find you, David? 
just type in davidedwardgarcia.com on any search engine. I don't know how many hundreds of videos I have online. You know, I have the social media platforms. Just type in my name. You'll find me. There's a lot of me out there. Awesome. Thank you so much for doing this interview. And uh, you have a great message. Thank you so much. Thank you. David considers himself a very fortunate human being. Uh, he was raised in a, a rough environment that he got out of um, later on in life, and he found his inner genius. And he recommends that everyone needs to find their inner genius. And by inner genius, he means finding your unique skill set, your unique ability to make a difference in this world. And everyone finds their inner genius some point in their life. Some people find it early on, some people find it later, and some people don't even find it. But the way to find your inner genius, uh, you know, there's several ways. There's not one set answer. You can list out your weaknesses, your strengths, what you like to do, and kind of play around with what you like to do. Some people find it instantly. They have this one moment in life where they, where they tell themselves, you know what? I can do this, and this is my purpose on earth. And some people, they, their inner genius or their unique skill set eventually transforms over time. You know, many times our, our unique skill set, the reason why we're on this planet, usually evolves over time. But the only, re, the only way to find that answer is to take action. No one knows what they want to do by sitting around and thinking about what they want to do. The most successful people on this planet, the happiest people on this planet, the most fulfilled people on this planet, take action. Don't sit around and think about what you want to do because weeks can go by, months can go by, and years can go by. If you take action, what you want to do eventually evolves over time. And as it evolves over time, you become better every single year. And then, then you finally realize you're in this calling. You're doing what you love to do and you found your purpose. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope this episode was helpful. Uh, David Edward Garcia is an amazing human being. He's making people laugh around the world, inspiring people around the world. And I really want you to check out some of his social media handles and go on his website. If you haven't done so already, please rate and review the Teenage Impact Podcast, trying to inspire as many people as possible. And for that to happen, I want to be ranked higher. And for that to happen, I want you to rate it five stars and leave a review. So until next time, peace.